Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God, praise God, praise God. I, I hope that's what you desire. I, you never know. You just never know. Amen. Probably one of the um, modern-day uh, great movements in this country, and God has had a few, happened back in just the early 1900s. And um, uh, a black preacher uh, was uh, commissioned to carry the gospel to the West Coast. And uh, many different aspects happened, and he finally ended up in a little mission. He was rejected initially, which is really a lot of times what happens. Um, I'm not being pessimistic. I'm just saying most of the time when God comes onto the scene first, we have a tendency to have a hands-off approach. That's why the relentless faith doing, God, doing God's will no matter what, not allowing our emotions to control, but allowing the Spirit of God to direct can be a great ad, uh, advantage. And so this man did that, um, and he began to preach in a, a small mission on Azusa Street. And um, um, without any prompting, without any begging, without any of that type of thing, the Spirit began to fall. And for three years, three years they tell me that people got the Holy Ghost in that mission every day. Amen. Amongst that move of God, there was prophecy that went forth, which it will. Usually when there's a genuine move of God, there's the prophetic that wants to work. And it's, not, it's, it's divided into two categories. A prophetic can be the proclaiming. Just proclaim what God wants you to proclaim in boldness, not arrogance. And just be very direct. Tell folks what they need to hear. Let God speak to you about what you need to hear. It's just very simple. The plan is. And then there's the prophetic that operates in the future. That, hey, there's going to come a time when thus and thus will happen. And that's always been, again, one of the calling cards of God. God never is behind time. He's not just getting right there and then, quick, let's get this all together. No, God is in the process of preparing Right now, that's what's happening in, in any true apostolic church. God is preparing people for a harvest that's going to take place. Amen. When I read my Bible and I, and I realize in two, ver two chapters in the book of the Revelation, over half of the population of the world is killed. That doesn't bring me a lot of comfort. It doesn't. What it does is it tells me that we need to be doing something before that happens. And I believe that God is. That's right now. He's in the process of training people. One of the obvious things that happened to Jesus, we do not have much information about Jesus as a young man, as a boy, you know, as a child in the home of Mary and Joseph. We don't. We, there's just no scripture there. And I believe that's on purpose. God just said, I don't want you to think about that. But there came a time when Jesus was 30 years of age that after being obedient to his parents, being a good Jew, being a good Israeli, going to church, to synagogue, whatever, he put the hammer down. And we never see any time else that he built anything, did any work in a carpenter shop. He began to focus on the harvest. That's what he did. And in my opinion, that's our greatest template, Jesus. And I believe that's what Jesus is doing. He's preparing people for that harvest. That doesn't mean that you have to quit your job and that you have to, you know, and that type of thing. No, it just means that I believe that God is in the process of bringing his church to a, what I call a clear focus. Now, one of the prophecies that happened at Azusa Street was very direct. He said there would come a time, God said, there would come a time when there would be people who would praise God, but they weren't praying to him. Amen. I know the Bible um, tells us about vain repetitions. So sometimes we can be praying to God and we're really not. We're just reciting something we memorize. We're just reciting something that we want and that type of thing. And so I believe one of the, one of the ways of preparation that God will have the church is he will involve the church in very intense prayer. Amen. That's what, that's what will happen, you know. And so I, I, I'm not here to scare anybody. I'm just here to alert you that that's where God wants to take you. You know, here's my heart, God. Speak to me what is true. But sometimes if you're like me, you've got to get through about five or six layers before you can really get to the, to the spot that can receive it in Jesus' name. And services like this lend themselves to that. I'm not here to throw away 
worship and praise altogether. I'm not. I think it's a good thing. I think the joy of the Lord can become our strength. I'm going to talk about faith today, and I believe that faith is needed. The Bible says without it, we're not going to please God. So we want to operate under the true aspect of faith, praise God. But again, it's where does that faith lead us? I believe it'll lead us to a place that God wants us to be. Amen. Jesus, several times during his ministry, he told his disciples, he said, look up. The harvest is ripe. And so we understand. I come from Iowa, so I understand that type of thing. You know, here in the next few, mo- next few weeks, depending on the weather, you're not going to be able to talk to too many crop farmers back in Iowa because they're going to be busy. They're going to be out there getting that field prepared. They're going to be out there, you know, getting everything lined up and that type of stuff. And, 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 and rightfully so. And then that harvest cycle will take its, its, its phases, different phases. But believe me, folks, they did that last year. And there was a crop that came up. So when we talk about the harvest field, we're not talking about a one-time offer. I believe what we're talking about is an ongoing thing. It's like a lot of things in Scripture. Repentance is not a one-time thing. It's an ongoing thing. Grace is not a one-time offer. It's an ongoing thing. And I believe the harvest is that way too, that there are people in different phases um, uh, of their walks with God. I think it was you, Lisa, that told me yesterday, she said, about this church. Um, And I took it as a compliment. Uh, You know, she said, man, she said, there's a lot of different types of, of people in different types of walks with God in this church. And I thought just for about two seconds, and I thought, that's the way it's always been. That is the way it has always been here. Amen. You know, we don't get the move-ins, you know, that, that, that run from God for five years, and then they come in here and they pay those back ties to us. <laughs> that hasn't happened yet, you know. We get people like you and me that just need God. And we begin that progression in Jesus' name. And so that's what it is. And I feel, and it took me a long time, folks, believe me. Some of you UPC conservatives used to intimidate me. But you don't anymore. And I don't mean that arrogantly. I mean that from the standpoint that I recognize that that's a good, healthy church. That there should be people in all different phases of their walk with God. Amen. And what that should do is promote us to, to, uh, with the help of God, create a climate, create an environment where anybody can grow, where anybody can come in here, they can receive the word of God, they can get further understanding of who he is, what he really, the purpose, and that's really the revelation we need in this hour. What's God's purpose? Amen. What's his plan? Amen. I'm going to tell you something, folks. That, I believe, along with a lot of other things, is going to be revealed in this place in Jesus' name. Now, you ready to pray one more time? Let's, oh, not one more time, but let's pray again. Amen. Remember that time when Jesus was healing the guy that had that, you know, I don't know if he didn't have any eyes or he couldn't see, whatever the case is. And Jesus said, he said, what do you see? And the Bible says, the guy said, I see people as trees. Well, we know that ain't going to work. You know, so what did Jesus do? Exactly. So don't be afraid to do that. Sometimes if you don't see things quite as clearly as you should, best thing you can do is go right back to the altar and say, God, help me to see in Jesus' name. Now, I believe there's an anointing in this place. God has already proved that to me in the prayer room. He's already showed me what him and I have understood for a number of years. And so I know there are angels that are ministering in this place in the name of Jesus. There's a spirit of revelation. And so let's begin, if you can, lift up your voice. This is not a time to to watch what everybody else is doing. This is a time to engage in prayer. Come on, call upon the name of the Lord right now. Ask the Lord to help you. In the name of Jesus. Goodness, Lord, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I believe in you. I believe in your strongholds, Lord God. I believe in your biblical faith, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Have your way right here, right now, in the name of Jesus.
Praise God. Now, along with that prayer, let's just give God praise now. Come on. Let's give Him praise and glory. As you may be seated, the Lord bless you this morning, which is absolutely his intention. Praise God. That is his intention. Praise God. Turn with me to the book of Jude, if you would. I'm going to start there this morning, and who knows where we'll end up. We'll end up in the Bible, put it that way, but who knows, amen, what God has got in store. I've got lots of scripture running through my mind right now, and Amen. I just got to let the Holy Ghost just kind of <laughs> and line that up. Um, and then when, when, when he's through the Holy Ghost, I'll quit. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I've been practicing now for the last five years. Um, quitting when he tells me to quit. Don't ad lib. Don't have to, you don't have to prop me up. God keeps telling me. He said, I don't need you to defend me, God says. He talks to me these ways. And I appreciate that. Praise God. Um, and I, and I'm, I'm very thankful, very thankful for the relationship that God has. Look at the book of Jude. There's only one chapter, so we can't get real lost there. But it's a, it's a book that really is designed to help us um, as a church to know what's going on in the last days. Um, I've always felt like the church is the barometer. Whatever's happening in the church is, is, is a good indicator of how close we are to the second coming of the Lord. I said this uh, last week because I taught on it, and I know I got some eyeballs to, to pop out. But when you start talking about uh, lukewarmness, people right away, and I do the same. I think, think oh, God, am I lukewarm? And, um, and it's not something to fear. It's just something to be aware of. And really, the first sign of lukewarmness um, is not that you, you go out and get drunk again or you, you, you start sinning and do stupid stuff. Most the, the, the first signs of lukewarmness is just you don't care. It doesn't matter to you that much. Um, and and oh, can the Spirit say something? That's why our prayer rooms are fairly empty. It's not that people don't know how. It's not that they don't know where. They just don't care. Something else has taken the place. And so keep that in mind. It's not God indicting you, making you feel bad. It's God trying to push you. Start caring. Start realizing the weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when our obedience is fulfilled. That's not going to happen until we, if my people that are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face. Then I will hear from heaven, he said, and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. There's still time for lots of folks to get saved. There's still time for people to be, to, be, to be filled with God's Spirit. There's still time for people to get the revelation of the oneness of God and to be baptized in Jesus' name. There's still time. And the people that of His name, praise God, are the ones that, that really should be taking the initiative and praying in Jesus' name. Praise God. I got to get off of that subject, don't I? All I can give you is a Maybe. Okay, the Bible says in Jude, chapter number 1, it begins to explain to us that there was a book that was written named Enoch that proclaimed that there would be a time when God was going to execute judgment. This is in verse number 14 and 15. And the reason he was going to execute judgment was to convince. The word there actually means convict. A lot of times the judgment of God comes for conviction. So the people will go, whoa, I guess he does take that serious. And so conviction is needed, praise God. And then the Bible says, but in verse 17, it says, but beloved, now he's talking to us. He says, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
It says how that they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. I think one of the descriptions is that they are wolves in sheaves' clothing. They can come to church and join right in. I'm serious. And I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm just saying that's what happens. That's why as a pastor, I've got to be aware of these things. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I hear right now, but funny. I walked around the building praying for backsliders. Amen. And I get in here, and it is in 30 seconds. That's just between him and I, okay? But he knows what I'm talking about. And I'm going, whoa, you're fast, God. He's fast, all right. Okay. Now, another thing that you'll find that's characteristic of mockers is that these are they which, who separate. What that means is they cause divisions. They start arguing about doctrine. Now, I'm not talking about somebody who doesn't know. I'm talking about somebody who's already been confronted with it, but they don't want it. You've got to be aware of those kind of folks. And it says central or sensual having not the spirit. There it is. They might have had it at one time, but they're not operating under it. And then the Bible says, but you, everybody say, I hope that's me. Oh, yeah. Beloved, building up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. How much more specific can the man, the writer here get? How are we going to get through all of this? How are we going to deal with that kind of a dilemma? The Bible says we've got to build ourselves up upon our most holy faith. And the holy faith is the faith of God. Your faith is faithfulness. God's faith will move mountains. Amen. And so we've got to learn to do that on a regular, daily basis. And then it goes on to say, keep yourself in the love of God. There it is. Amen. We've got to have the love of God. We've been hearing a little bit about that on Wednesday nights. Amen. You don't know how much I wanted to say Wednesday night, and I did not. God has given me the spirit for exusa, restraint. There were some folks that I met here towards the end of the week that I kind of couldn't contain myself, but I did that because I'm serious. That love is a good subject. It's a deep subject. It's one that I want to be better at, praise God. Amen. But let me just leave it here right now. The best thing you can do is learn how to love God. Love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what will make the difference in loving yourself, loving your neighbor, loving your wife, your husband, whoever it is. It's the love of God that will make the difference. And that's why the commandment was contained. You, know, you understand in the 20th chapter of the book of Exodus, there's the Ten Commandments, praise God. But Jesus said, I'm going to simplify it for you. He said, because he was asked, what's the chief one? What's the one we should really be working on? And Jesus said, love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one's right on the heels of that one, praise God. And that is to love your neighbor as yourself. The word neighbor there can be replaced with the word, in some renditions, near. Who's near you? Who do you have an opportunity to love today? Amen. That's what makes a difference. When God, you're loving God and that love begins to flow through you, I'm going to tell you something. You can begin to be an effective person who loves the people who are around you. And that doesn't mean you agree with them, that you're, you're compromising and, and, and just to get along and, and you're not a pillow carrier and, and you're not going to just fluff everything up in their lives and tell them stuff they really don't need to hear. But it just means that you're going to learn because of the love relationship that God has with you. Does he not tell you the truth? Does he not convict you when you do things wrong? Come on, folks, you've got to expect the same thing is going to filter down in Jesus' name. That don't make us a judge. It just makes us a proclaimer. It makes us a, a spotlight. Uh, the spotlight is on us. Amen. Because the first time you tell folks what's, you know, what might be wrong in their life, they're going to get mad usually, and they're going to judge you. But if they can start looking at you, because that's really what it'll cause them to do. I'm going to wait for that guy to make a mistake. I'm going to wait for them to screw up. And they will. And you want something? You will too. But how do you handle that? Do you drop to your knees and say, oh God, forgive me, and mean it? 
and then get back up off of those knees and say, I'm going to do something different. Now, when you begin a pattern like that, go ahead and put the spotlight on you. Go ahead and let people watch you because they're going to learn what real true repentance is. They're going to begin to recognize, praise God, that that's God moving in their life. And no, they're not perfect, but they serve a God that is. And the things that they're saying, praise God, and the things that they're doing are powerful in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody stay. Stand up and say, I want that kind of a relationship with God in the name of Jesus. Oh, my goodness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Folks, that's not hypocrisy. That's absolutely transparency. That's what that is. We don't have to be afraid because we mess up. We just got to learn because of the love of God. We got a way to respond. In Jesus' name. I was thinking this morning as I was getting ready and stuff, and, 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 and I was thinking about the word religion, and I've given religion a bad rap last few days and last years and stuff. And religion isn't a bad word. It's like a lot of things. It's just been perverted, and we have a tendency to look at the negative stuff, and then we don't want to do it anymore. It's like the children of Israel, you know, the name of the Lord. They got so to a place where they were messing up on a regular basis, and then they wanted to reverence the name, and then pretty soon they forgot it. And there was a, literally a generation that grew up that didn't even know the name of God. And that's not the answer. It's not that God wants us to walk around on our tiptoes going, oh, I hope I don't break any eggs. No, God wants us to have confidence, but our confidence is in Him. Our confidence in, is what he's continually doing in our lives. And so building ourselves up upon our most holy faith is the will of God. Praying in the Spirit, and check that out, that's capitalized, so that's talking about the Spirit of God. That means praying in tongues. That's what it means, praise God. There's reasons why God fills us with the Holy Ghost, and that's why you and I must take advantage of those things. And then keeping ourselves in the love of God is what will happen. But this word religion, praise God, it's only really found five times in the New Testament. You can check it out. And Paul was the one that really worked it over. He used it once in the book of Acts when he was testifying to a guy about his religious experience. And then he used it again in the book of Galatians, you know, uh, on telling people about how he was delivered because he was very religious. And, and one rendition of the word religion just means a ceremonial thing. It's something people do. There's a lot of people who are religious. And I'm not saying all religion is bad, but if it doesn't give glory to God, then it can become. It can become man-made, it can become a substitute, it, become, you know, it becomes one of those things like welfare. It wasn't designed to support people, it was just designed to help people get up so they could get back on their feet. Amen. And so I'm not saying religion is totally bad, and especially in this light. The other two places that you find religion is found in verse 26 of the first chapter of the book of James, 26 and 27. It says, if any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue. Now, do you understand why I was silent? Give me some credit. You know, the Bible says, and bridleth not his tongue, and I believe you could put a her there too. <laughs> but what the Bible says is when we do that, we deceive our own heart. And it says it, this kind of religion doesn't do any good. Amen. And we do. we all been there. But we've told, well, you've got to live for God, and you've got to do that. And then we go out and do the complete opposite. Well, they didn't see me. God did. Right. See, being a Christian, there's one word, well, not lots of words that describe it, but one big word that does is called responsibility. Once you become a Christian, you know, you've got to become responsible. And God helps us to do that. But here's the good word here. Look at verse 27. That's why I'm telling you, all religion is not bad. The pure stuff is what's good. And the Bible says pure religion is this. It's undefiled. The word just simply means it's holy. It does know how to dress. It does know how to act. It does know how to conduct itself in an unholy world. And then it goes on to say, it says, undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless orphans 
There they are. You made reference to that. It was a good point. Amen. What did you tell me? Um, we talked too much yesterday, didn't we? You told me about a couple down there in um, Texas that, that they, your sister, nine. Uh, my wife and I were privy, privy to something like that. Our pastor back in Iowa did the same thing. He adopted nine children. And I think six of them were, were Koreans. Two of them were black. And one was, I, yeah, a white blonde. I really thought that was their daughter, real daughter, for years, you know, but she was adopted. And so her and I, we got to feel that kind of a spirit. That was really great. What an awesome thing, you know. He got four uh, Koreans at one time, and about a week after he got them, they finally got them. He got them through Amnesty International. Um, we had in the church in Dubuque a Korean missionary because these kids didn't know how to speak English. Yeah, and I'll never forget the night I was down there. I was supposed to lead music, but I couldn't get my eyes off of um, Sister Turner and Brother Turner. They were down there in the, in the front of the pew. I still get the Holy Ghost eebie-jeebies when I think about it. And here they are. Man, they're talking like a Chinese laundry. I mean, I'm telling you, they are going back and forth. And it's because they could speak Korean. And you could see on the faces of those young kids where they were getting, you know, they, they, I mean, peace and that type of thing. And so this is what the Bible says is pure religion, you know. And so it says to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. That's what religion is designed to do. That's why I'm saying it all isn't bad. But when you start worshiping your religion, when you start telling yourself that religion is more important than God, well, then you got yourself into trouble. And that's why we have to be careful with it. And I understand why it's got a bad rap, because there's a lot of folks out there that have more, they have more confidence in their religion than they do in God. And that's not supposed to happen in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. Let's just ask... For, 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 for 10 seconds, let's, let's let, God, let God give us some understanding here. God, in the name of Jesus, illuminate our eyes, spiritual eyes. Help us to see. There's a lot of, I know I'm about three or four layers down, Lord. God, I know right now. And so help people to receive this with meekness. Let the meekness that you can give to us receive this right now in Jesus' name. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, let's get to the subject I intended on getting to first, okay? And let's go to the book of, of, of Romans, the book of Romans chapter number 12, and let's talk a little bit about faith, amen, because faith is so needed. And I'm not talking about just any kind of faith. I'm talking about faith in God. And you've heard me talk about this a, a lot of times, and, and, and I'll talk about it in in. in in the future, because I realize you've got to keep, there are some, some subjects you never get done with. It's just going to be ongoing. But the 12th chapter of the book of Romans teaches us, um, in verse number one, it says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies of living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Somebody say amen. amen. And it says, be not conformed, or don't be fashioned like this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Um, and, and there are processes there. But here's what I want you to see. For I say, Paul is saying this after that, through the grace given unto me to every man. So you know he's talking to everybody. It says, that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. It says, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So right there, that verse will, uh, will, will just, or not justify, but will um, solidify the fact that if we don't operate in faith, we're going to get a big head. It's just that simple. So that's why I'm saying faith isn't just, well, I want to move mountains or I want this disease to go or I want people to see the move of God, which is okay at times, but faith is designed for you and I not to get the big head, that it's God. Amen. It's not you and I doing it. It's God doing it. 
Praise God. And so anything that's happening in the world through those kind of avenues, it's God that's allowing that to happen. Praise God. Whether it be tremendous results or tremendous endurance. Opposite ends of the pole sometimes. Amen. The reason some people can live the way they live for God, and you go, wow, they've been going through the mill here. How does that work? It's because of the faith of God. And I want you to notice that it's the measure that God gives us. It's not like you and I, you know, went to the faith bank and purchased this. This is something that God automatically gives to every person. It's like grace. It's like mercy. It's like truth. It's like peace. It's like love. God extends that to every person. Now, what you decide to do with it is your business. That's why Jude said, build up yourself upon your most holy faith. Start operating with the idea that if anything happens, it's got to happen through God. Amen. And, and, and that will accomplish great things, and, and we will begin to see some things. But let's talk about how does faith work, and I'm going to be very practical for the, few, for the next few minutes, okay? I believe in that. I believe in common sense relationship with God. A lot of things are not that far from it. We think, oh, if I get God, I got to, you know, be on a nine-week fast, and I got to be praying for about 12 hours, and then maybe God will reveal something to me. Well, he might then. But there's a bunch of stuff he would like to reveal to you every day and just have you solidify it by walking in it. That's why one of the realities, or I should say the appearances of faith, is the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. The word walk there a lot of times in Scripture is referring to a lifestyle. It's referring to the direction you're going. It's referring to the folks you hang around with. It refers to how do you spend your time. Yeah, study it for yourself, the word walk there. And that's why we have to understand that walking by faith is very, very important. Now, we all understand the definition of faith. or not understand it, but we know it. Can anybody give me the definition of faith in the Bible, King James Version? What is it? You got it. You forgot one key word there, though. Now, faith. Faith is the ever-present now. That's what it needs. And I, you did good, brother. Praise God. Great. It is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. So this is something that we have to understand, is that faith, a lot of times we're not going to see it. But we believe it. You know, and that's what we do. We just keep acting on that faith. And then sooner or later, something will appear because God said it would. Let me give you the example. A good example in Scripture is our father of faith. You know who that is? Abraham. Abraham is one of the first examples of walking in faith. You know, I think Enoch could qualify for that too. You know, but it doesn't give us a lot of information about Enoch. It just says that he walked with God. There it is. Lifestyle. His whole life began to um, be surrounded by the things of God. Amen. And one day God just said, okay, here it is. We'll, we'll take you out of this place. Amen. But the bottom line is Abraham gives us a more detailed account. That's why I love to, to read those, oh, probably there are uh, 12, 15 chapters in the book of Genesis on Abraham. It's because it teaches me a lot. It teaches me he wasn't a perfect person, but he did give us some visuals. What does it mean, praise God? Well, the first thing it meant was, believe what I tell you. And the first marching order he got was, leave the country. You know, follow me, go where I tell you to go. That's why I'm saying faith, walking by faith is a lifestyle. It'll change how you do things. Come on. Is this not deep enough for you? Come on, I think it's okay. I think this is what we need to hear along with the other stuff too. And so the Bible teaches us, praise God, that it is a substance. God looks at it. One time Jesus, when he was preaching, second chapter of the book of Mark, you can study it for yourself, the Bible says the house got filled. Jesus had full revivals. Here's four guys with a, with a brother that's hurt that need to get in there. Well, they're saying, how are we going to do this? Well, I guess we got, two, we got two, two answers here. We can just leave and wait, or we can just make something happen. Well, you know what they did, didn't they? Remember what they did? The Bible says they began to tear off the roof. Amen. And the Bible says when they put that man down in the midst of it, you got, read it for yourself. 
Now, faith is a substance, the Bible says, and Jesus saw their faith. And so there it is. Amen. There was some kind of evidence there. And so this is what, again, very practical, very simplistic, but this is what I, I, I want to look over the daily uh, routine, even some of the religion that I do. And I want to see the faith of God. I want to see that I have exercised a little bit of faith. Have I been building myself up upon his most holy faith? Now, this isn't just for pastors only, folks. This is for you. Why don't you look at your life? What kind of things are happening? The only place you can really get loud for God is in a church. Well, then there's something wrong. Come on. We should learn how to praise God at home. We should learn how to pray to him in the car with our eyes open. Well, we should learn how to do that kind of stuff. Come on, folks. This is a walk. This is supposed to get a hold of all of our lifestyle. This is what it's designed to do. And listen to me, folks. That's why I told you being a Christian, the big R word, it takes a lot of responsibility. You got to start counting the, the cost. You got to start looking at your life. You got to start saying, what am I doing? That doesn't mean you're working your way to heaven. It just means you're occupying yourself with the things of God down here. Big difference, folks. Don't let those people out there that want to discourage you from doing what's right in the eyes of God tell you you're working your way to heaven. You just look at them and say, I give that up months and years ago, praise God. I can't get to heaven but by God. But the Bible says through His grace, I am, I am, I am born into good works. I can begin to occupy this earth, praise God, the way God wants me to occupy it. Amen. And if you follow the scripture and you begin to realize that it's through grace and through his faith, you're not going to, for long, think highly of yourself. And that is not poor self-esteem. That's exactly where it needs to go. That doesn't mean you need to look yourself in the mirror and tell yourself how ugly you are and how bad you are and how many mistakes you made. Come on, folks. God already knows that stuff. You just need to look into that mirror and say, I serve a good God. I serve an almighty God. And we need to give him praise and glory. And gal, say, just keep telling him he's the greatest. He's the almighty. There's nobody like him. I love you, Jesus. That's what you do. Oh. Yeah, it's very, very, is the word pragmatic, is that kind of, would that enter into what I'm doing here? She's the English major, I'm not. So, but the bottom line is, I feel in that simplicity, amen. Most of the guys that are, and gals, <laughs> just about got into that one, uh, of people, most of the people that I've been around that could operate in faith, and you could tell it, walk in the room, man, and oh, things are happening. Most of those people that, uh, my opinion, and I don't mean this to put them down, they're very simple people. They've not complicated the things of God. Now, does that mean they don't have any education? No, it just means that they've learned that that education don't do much. It's the faith in God that really moves things. And so building ourselves up upon our most holy faith, what is that? The faith that God has given to us, the measure that he's already given to us. And so this is what we do. And so what does it look like? Well, I mentioned one of them already. Faith will become not only an attitude, but it will become a lifestyle. It's not just something we push a button and do two or three times a week. It's something that begins to infiltrate everything we do. Amen. And so that's what it begins to look like. Also, the Bible says faith without is dead. And so another uh, way that faith works not only through lifestyle, but it works through action. That you got to do something. Amen. You can't just, a lot of times you can say something to somebody and maybe that will be enough. But a lot of times the action will be carried into a prayer room. Yeah. I'll just leave it right there. But that, because that's one thing I have learned about God. Amen. Is that I can do more for you praying for you in the spirit according to the will of God than anything I could offer you. And that's not shirking my duties. That's recognizing where my calling is at. Amen. Who was I talking to this week? I'm, 
since the 60s, I can't work on them. Cars. I can't. And I'm not even going to try. So you got a problem with your car, take it to a mechanic. I'm serious. And man, we had a brother here that left, and we sure sad to see him leave, but he comes over to me, and he's asking me, oh, how am I going to do about this one? I didn't know. I'm not a truck driver. I don't do any of this stuff. You know, I'm just trying to make a living fixing band instruments and preaching the gospel. Serious. So I had to call one of the brothers over that knew a whole lot more about it than I did. See, that's life. You can help people sometimes. But most of my help comes right out of that prayer room, trying to help people to be saved and to stay saved. Jesus' name. And so this is what we do, and that's an action. That's not a wish. And then another thing that, that faith or how faith operates, amen, is how does it, how does it react to obstacles? That's how you can really know that you're involved in the prayer of God. Um, I know it's about halfway through my prayer. I know I'm using this quite a bit as an example this morning, but it's fresh, and I'll use it. About halfway through the prayer that I had, I had like three, four different types of prayer here this morning, and that's what I do. God just says, do this. I don't know. Okay. That's what I'm doing. And so I got into the prayer room, and about halfway through that last part of prayer, I hit something. You know, the only thing I can describe is it felt like a brick wall. And, you know, in my early days, I'd have probably said, well, I guess I'm not meant to go there. But God has helped me through faith to test that. And I'll tell you how I test it. This is how I test it, folks. This is me. This is God's relationship with me for a number of years. If I, and it doesn't move after a while. I'm not talking about the first or second time. Sometimes it takes me ten times, you know. But if it doesn't move, then I'm going to step back and say, you know, God, maybe that's you keeping me from that. But what I have learned is that if it's of the devil, of myself, whatever, anything else other than God, it'll move. And you can detect that. And that's my cue. <laughs> that's when I'll push the panel. I will literally, folks, in the spirit. And God has taught me how to do this. He's taught me how to pray this way. This didn't happen at Bible college. This didn't happen, you know, when I was the assistant pastor. This happened when I got out here, and I really had to get some answers. And God has taught me to put the pedal to the metal. Amen. And it doesn't have to happen for a half an hour. It doesn't have to happen for the next three days, although sometimes it might, but sometimes just for the next few minutes. And what I'll see is I'll, I'll feel something in the spirit or sense something in the spirit. I've got to be careful with that terminology. And I'll just keep going, and you can, you, can, you can just believe God. Amen. And there's other signs that God has given me um, just between him and I, and, and I know these signs and that type of thing, and I won't share them with you because then you'll start looking for signs. But the bottom line is him and I have confirmed that word with signs following many times. And so that's what it is. And so that's how I react to some obstacles. I'm not going to give up. Let me give you a couple of them, very familiar ones that you're going to deal with on a, on a pretty regular basis. Two of them are doubt and unbelief. That's going to happen. And I'm not here to wish you have it. And please don't pray for it. <laughs> but you're going to encounter it. You're going to encounter some things, you know, when you begin to build up yourself upon your most holy faith, you're going to begin to, to, to experience some resistance. And you're going to have to learn to grow up a little bit and not be, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to offend somebody here. Okay, exusa. But the deal is, is that God wants you to become a little more strong. Now, it wouldn't offend you but it might offend somebody else, and I'm, I'm being extremely careful. My wife tells me I have to be a good boy. <laughs> Amen. And so we must understand, praise God, that first of all, that how faith works is basically through our lifestyle. Number two, that it works, um, and it basically works through an action. We have to do something. Amen. And number three, praise God, that faith will learn or teach us how to react to obstacles. 
That's what faith will learn, teach us to do. It won't teach us to go around them. It won't teach us to avoid them. It will teach us to go through them. But that's where you're going to have to have a relationship with God because if it's God you're trying to bump up against, whoa, yeah, that one won't work. Now, let's set the, towards the end, and we got just about done here with this little teaching, and I hope this is doing somebody some good. I have sen I'm sensing that it is, and I know it's very simple. I know that we were very intense before this, but now we're just kind of can relax, and we can identify, can't we? We, most of us uh, in this room, I'm going to probably say all of you, all of the things that I brought up here this morning in this segment, you're going, yeah, yeah, I've, yeah, I've been there, I've done that, you know. Well, good, because then you can relate. Now you know what you can begin to work on. Now, let's talk about degrees of faith for the next few minutes, okay? Because sometimes we do have a little bit of faith, and sometimes the answer is, is we need more. Now, the Bible says in um, chapter 8 of Matthew, let's turn there real quickly here, Matthew 8, because the Bible is full of these kind of examples. Jesus took advantage every day to teach those disciples. I'm so thankful, praise God, for the aspect of being a disciple. Now, in the 8th chapter of the book of, uh, of, of Matthew, while they were traveling, the Bible says in verse um, uh, 23, it says, and when, they, and when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. Somebody say faith. There it is. There's faith. It took faith to follow him. I want you to recognize, praise God, I'm not telling you you don't have any faith. Because you got the measure. Everybody in this world has enough to follow God. I'm telling you the truth. And they did. I'd have hesitated. I said, is there any, um, any life jackets on board? Because I don't know how to swim. I'm just being honest. Oh, believe the Lord. Well, I'm trying. But the last time I got in the pool without my noodle, <laughs> I went right to the bottom. Praise God. Just so you know, one of my bucket lists, I'm going to give you a chance to breathe here for a minute. Uh, one of my bucket I'd like to learn how to swim. My wife tries every time we go to a private place with a fence around it, nobody can see us. And I'm, that's what we do. You know, that's one of our vacations. She'll get man in the pool and she'll say, man, you know, she tries to teach me how to swim. And it's, it's about a 10-year project. And it's, I'm, not, I'm better at it. I'm not. So I'm going to get there. Yes, I'm a sinker. Praise God. But here they are, they get in the boat. Now, I, I want to really hammer this point across. And the Bible says, while they're following Jesus, while they're following the Lord, behold, a storm comes. Now, you can't tell me they were expecting that. They just followed Jesus. And the scripture says, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. He is that Jesus. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish is how we react to a lot of obstacles. That's how it is. And the scripture says that Jesus was going to point something out to them. And I thank God they were in a place where they could receive it. But many of us would get offended if somebody said this like this to them. And the next time you came crying to your brother or your sister and that type of thing, and believe me, that's, we're, we're part of that. But that brother or sister would turn around and say, you know, you really don't have much faith. Oh, who are you trying to judge me? What do you think? You're not going through my... No, they're just trying to help you. Because the truth is the truth. And there was the deal. And Jesus wasn't throwing that in their face. He was pointing it out. That they had faith. But they didn't have a lot. And I think I'm talking to some people here today that you've already experienced that. Now what are you going to do about it? Are you going to take the first part of this Bible study and start building yourself up upon your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit? Yeah, that's a challenge. Those are fighting. No, they're not. But I'm just saying, 
Come on. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to sit there and whine and hope somebody in the church has got a relationship with God so that you can get saved? Or are you going to start building something upon God and start being operating in the Spirit the way He wants you to operate and start seeing things the way God wants you to see them? Now, come on, the choice is yours. I'm not going to beg you to do this. I'm not. But I am going to instruct last Three or to five years, I don't know what the program is, that I got here in this church, I'm going to hammer this into you. I'm going to do it because some of you are going to have to start learning how to take over. Some of you are going to have to learn how to start doing the stuff that just a few people in this church have been doing. And not that we're not, uh, we're not happy with the stuff that you've done, but we're talking about a harvest. We're talking about hundreds of people that are going to need to be taught Bible studies. And they're going to have to be taught by people who are convinced and have faith in the Word of God. And people like that are going, to be getting, are going to be walking in faith. People like that are going to have actions accompanying their faith. People like that are going to know how to handle obstacles. That's what's going to happen. And people will see that. And so here it is. One degree of faith is called little faith. Jesus pointed it out. And I think this is probably the biggest one out there. The reason we don't see things happen the way we want them to happen, you know, the way we know the Bible says they should happen, is because we just don't have enough faith. And that's not a give up proposal. That's saying, hey, come on, I got to work on this. And so this is what we do, praise God. That's what God helps us to do in Jesus' name. Because you must understand something. Let me give you another example. Turn to page to chapter number 9 in Matthew. Let's, let's take another example here. The Bible says there in verse number 9, and I'm going to start reading in verse number 19. The scripture says again, Jesus arose and followed him. And guess who followed him? What did they have? Now they're going to see something in action. Follow Jesus, man. You're going to see something. And so the Bible says, while he spake these, I'm sorry, in verse 20, and behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood, 12 years, that's a long time, came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. And the scripture says, for she said within herself, now here's active faith, folks. Here's active faith. Here's what it looks like. This is what it will tell you. If I can just touch him. Come on, I'm telling you something, folks. Recognize that. Recognize who gave her that advice. Oh, the devil, her flesh. No, they were 12 years behind. They were keeping her captive for 12 years. And all of a sudden, she got near to Jesus, and she could hear the voice. And the voice said, hey, touch me. And she responds to that, praise God. And she says it, because I'm going to tell you something, folks. There ain't none of us come up with that good of an idea. That's of God. That's God's idea. That's what God wants to do. And if you'll learn to hone your skills and walk in faith, you'll begin to hear the voice of God. And it won't be the tenth thing you hear. It'll become the first thing you hear. And then by faith, you're going to begin to reach out and you're going to see some things happen. Look at somebody and say, that's faith. That's what that is. That's what it looks like. Amen. And so here's this woman who wasn't going to church. She's 12 years, you know, in the pity party. And the Bible says, the Bible says, if she just says, if I'll touch him, man, I'll be made whole. But Jesus turned about him. And when she, he saw her, he said, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy hath made thee whole. There it is. That's active faith. Amen. And that's the kind of faith that I want to try to have every day. What does that mean? I'm going to tell God what to do. I'm going to schematically map out my day. No, it just means that whatever I encounter, anything could happen. Active faith just says it can happen. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. You don't get that unless you build yourself up upon your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. In my opinion, it won't last. And so this is what God wants us to do. So you have little faith, you have active faith, and just 
before you go home here, let me give you an example of this. Look at Matthew chapter number, um, oh, I guess it's Matthew chapter number 8. And, and there's more examples in other scripture, but this is just close, so let's just do this. Let's go back to Matthew chapter number 8. The Bible says, uh, Jesus again ministering. Amen. And... Um, uh, he enters into Capernaum. This is in chapter 8, verse number 5. And there's a guy there who's in the military. And the scripture says, he says, Lord, my serpent, or serpent, my servant lies at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And the scripture says in verse number 7, Jesus said, I will come and heal him. And the Bible says, now get this now, folks, get this. The scripture says, the centurion answers and said, Lord, I'm not even worthy for you to come to my house. He said, but you just speak the word. And the Bible says, my servant will be healed. For I am a man under authority. I know how this works, God. And I know you are the one of authority. And if you'll say it, God, it'll happen in Jesus' name. Now listen to me, folks. That's not little faith. And that's not even active faith. What Jesus described here, look at this. In verse number 10, when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said unto him that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found. That's great faith. And I don't know about you, but I want to strive for that kind of stuff. Not so I can impress you or impress the Lord, but because there are times when, thing, when the times are going to demand that. Amen. And this is the kind of thing that I believe that the Lord wants to get us actively involved in. But listen to me, folks. I believe that one of the places it's going to be churned over and over and over and over again is if we just don't become a people who praise God, but we don't pray to him according to his will. I'm going to leave you with this as a seed offering. The Bible says in the 8th chapter of the book of Romans, one of the, one of the better definitions of why we need the Spirit of God and, it's, and it tells us there, one of the biggest reasons we need the Spirit of God is because we don't know how to pray. But we convince ourselves that we do. And we convince ourselves that if I'll say it long enough, it'll happen. And all we do is breed a bunch of frustration and, and, and deception. I would rather spend a month learning how to pray in the will of God and then take five minutes and watch God do something fantastic than to spend years trying to get God to do what I want him to do. And that's most of our Christian world today. That's where people are at. And I'm going to tell you right now, no wonder people are frustrated. No wonder people are giving up on it. You're playing right into the devil's hands. That's exactly what he wants you to do. And that's another one of the definitions of lukewarm. It's when people start giving up on the things that they know God wants them to do. Now, I hope you'll take this stuff here today and not go home and pout for a half an hour and say he's so mean and his wife told you told he'd be a good boy and he wasn't. And my goodness, he's just, man, he's just in my face and... He's just a meanie. She's a meanie. I'm not. No, she's not. She's a, good, she's, she's a good girl. She's a good girl. Praise God. Now, I hope that this has helped. I got a feeling that, man, there's, there's word pictures here that people were able to, to assimilate to, that this is going on in your life right now. Now, quit trying to hide it and start working on it. Start doing something that God wants you to do in Jesus' name. Praise God. Now, as I did last week, I'm going to do it again this week, and you can call this religion, okay? It might be kind of a ceremonial thing. But if you can, I want you to come down to this altar, the front here. We call this the altar. Now, one thing I, I am convinced of, I've been convinced of this for a long time, is that when, not if, when God's word is preached, taught, whatever the case is, we hear it, you know, there's going to come an opportunity where we can respond to it. Yes. And that's what we got to get 
more obedient towards. Sometimes we want to sit back and ponder it for another couple of months. Why do you want to do that? It's in the Word of God. That's what that, listen to me, folks. That's what that lady was going to do if it wouldn't have been for the help of Jesus. Twelve years she was in that situation, and she finally got into a service where she could get something done. But even after that long, she was hesitant. And then Jesus turns around and gives her that little extra boost and says, according to your faith. Wow. Now, I believe that God wants to develop that kind of relationship with you. And he will put you in a place where that will happen. And so why don't we expect that instead of trying to go around it like many of us are. There's some of you right now that the reason you're not doing some things that you know that God wants you to do is you're scared. You're just like that woman. But by faith, you're going to have to learn how to pay your tithes again, how to be faithful to church, how to read your Bible, how to pray. This is all by faith, not by sight. And so let's start working on it. And I think the best thing we could do here today is make a commitment to that. Let's commit ourselves to God and say, God, I'm going to work on this, this week, today. Come on, put it in your own words, and let's make that a commitment to God in Jesus' name. Father, in the name of Jesus.